0: hey guys welcome to our online campus whether you're joining us through youtube or our podcast we're really glad that you're here today let's tune into today's message here at higher vision enjoy well it is father's day what a joy to have you with us and uh today we're going to talk about the theme chill around the grill it's so good to be with um, our church family on father's day often i'm traveling and uh, normally pastor brandon beals is here speaking on father's day but this year i get to be here and i'm excited we're going to talk about chill around the grill you know one of the interesting things is that every father and i think every man if they've gotten married at some point have one thing in common and that is part of their rite of passage is they have to learn how to barbecue right and uh, you're really not a man, you're really not a dad until you learn how to burn some hamburgers. Come on, how I many know I'm talking about? All the women said amen to that one. Um, and what's interesting is when you uh, go to, like for instance, I'll give you an example, when I go to my sister-in-law's house, they have this massive barbecue in the back, this whole setup, you walk in the house and all the women are around the, the uh, island in the kitchen eating snacks in the air conditioning, And all the men, if you look outside, are outside sweating, um, with smoke coming off of them by the barbecue. And when you walk out there, you're going to hear words like this, bro, dude. Come on, how many know that you're not a man unless you use the word bro or dude at some point? Everybody say "Dude." dude. And so what's interesting is you hear all kinds of conversations go on around the grill. In fact, honestly, a lot of great conversations happen around the grill's. Um, on a Father's Day like this. People talk about their sports. Guys talk about their kids. They talk about, you know, things going on on the job. Sometimes you even hear serious conversations, things that maybe are important, kind of encouraging each other. Today what I want to do is I want to take a story in the Bible that literally Jesus was chilling around the grill. He had a conversation with some guys around a grill. And today in this story, I believe it's going to say some things to dads but I also believe it's going to say some things to everyone that's here and all of you that are joining us online. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 21. Let me set up the story. Jesus has died and he's risen from the grave. When he sees his disciples in Jerusalem, he tells them, especially Peter, you guys go to Galilee, Sea of Galilee, and I will meet you there. So they all take off and they're standing beside the Sea of Galilee. Peter's there, all the disciples are there, and this is where we pick up our story in John chapter 21. Simon Peter says, as he's standing there looking at the waves and looking at the ocean, I'm going fishing. Come on, any man ever said that? I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat. But they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He calls out, fellas, that's Greek for bro, not really, just. uh, Dude, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll get some. So they did and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. Now this, when this happens, triggered a realization to one of the disciples who were in the boat because this same type of thing had happened before. When Jesus called Simon and them into the ministry or to be disciples and followers of Christ, um, the exact thing had hap- same thing had happened. They had fished all night, hadn't caught anything, and Jesus said, throw the net on the other side, they caught. So John has this moment of, aha, how many of you know that some men are just clueless? Come on, how many, some dads are clueless, right? Come on, women, y'all out there, help me out. You have a brand new dress, you like my dress? Oh, I didn't know that was a new dress. Come on. And so they don't get it. They're like not all there. But one of them did. And when they realize, when the disciple that Jesus loved says to Peter, It's the Lord, watch what happens. Peter, when he heard this, that it was the Lord, he jumped into the water and he swam to shore. The others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore. I want you to stand to your feet today. We're going to read our theme verse. And this is where we pick up on our story. We're going to look back at this part of the story and the conversation that happens but we're going to learn some things that I believe Jesus might want to say to you and I as we chill around the grill. Let's read it together. When they got there... Come on, you can help me out better than that. Ready? When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire. See? It was a grill, and they were chilling around the grill. Let's keep reading. And some bread... Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. This is an example of a story where they were chilling around the grill. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy and the privilege of this wonderful Father's Day to celebrate dads. Lord, for some that are here, this is a day where they're filled with sorrow and remembering maybe the loss of their father. For some, it's a reminder that they didn't have the dad that they had wanted in life. For some, it's a joyous day, thankful for what they've been given or what they are. But Lord, today, wherever we are on that spectrum, here's one thing that we all have in common, and that is that we all have a Father in heaven who loves us. And your word says that this Father, he took the fatherless and he placed them in a family. He put within us the spirit that cries, Abba, Father. So awaken that spirit within us on this Father's day, in Jesus' name. Everybody shouted, amen. You may be seated. So they're literally chilling around the grill Jesus has already yelled out, dude, have you caught any fish? So in the spirit of dude and bro, I want to give you three points today of this conversation that happened around the grill. And I think that the message that Jesus gives is a message he's giving to you and me, if you're a dad or not a dad, whether you're here or in another country, another state. Point number one, if you're making notes, write this down. Bro, connect me to your passions. Everybody say that with me. Come on, help me out. Connect me to your passion. This is the first thing, really, that Jesus says as they're chilling around the grill. If you look at the story, here's basically what it says. In John chapter 21, it says, Bring me some fish that you've caught, Jesus said. Guys, I'm kind of jumping out of order, but can you give me that verse? Bring some of the fish you just caught, Jesus said. Now, let me stop and say, how many know that dads can get passionate about things? Come on, how many know that that a dad can be passionate about certain things? Now, Peter was passionate. He was passionate about fishing. He loved to fish. So he's standing there waiting for Jesus. Jesus hasn't come. He sees the water and the boats, and he's like, man, we're wasting time. We could be out on the water. We could be fishing right now. That's what he was passionate about. In fact, Jesus called him, instead of just being a fisher of men, or a fish, to be a fisher of men. That was his passion. As I began to think about it, I realized that dads get passionate about stuff. Some dads are passionate about sports. Come on, anybody ever seen a dad who is passionate about sports? Let me show you a picture of one right there. (laughs) Loves the Broncos. This is another dad who's passionate about the Cleveland Browns. I didn't know that there was anyone passionate about the Cleveland Browns, but um, sometimes dads can get passionate about stuff. And when we get passionate about stuff, uh, if we're not careful, we think that, that maybe God's not interested in that passion. But if you notice, the first thing that Jesus says is Jesus says, bring me your fish. In other words, could it be that what Jesus is saying is, listen, Peter, you know, just a minute ago, you were in the middle of your passion and I interrupted your passion. And now as you've gotten back and we're standing around the grill, bring me your passion. Connect me to your passion passion you see I believe that when Jesus said bring your fish what he's trying to tell us is simply this is there's a lot of people out there that think that God's not interested in the things you're interested in but God's interested in your passion and he wants to be a part of your passion he wants to be connected to your passion in fact what I think Jesus was saying is he was saying why don't you use your passions and connect them to the kingdom I'll give you an example. When you walked in the building today, you saw a man who has a passion. His name is Frank Sittler. Frank is out there and all night long, you know what he was doing? All day yesterday, he was cooking sausages on his Traeger grill. Because he has a passion to barbecue. And I'll never forget, many years ago, he came to Higher Vision Church, he got saved, um, got married, and had gone through a divorce, and he'd gone through some things in his life. He got married again. They got a house, and and God was working in his life, and I'll never forget, he started helping in kids' kids ministry in the junior high, and had a big party at his house, and we went to his house, and he started telling me, hey, listen, we're putting the pool in here, and he starts telling me about all this stuff because here's what his passion is. He loves to barbecue, not because he likes to eat, but then again, all men like to eat, come on. But he loves to barbecue because it's his vehicle to be a host and hospitable to people. He told me, he said, I wanna build all this stuff because I wanna have people from the church over and and I wanna do all these things. And you know what's interesting is that just two weeks ago, I was invited to go to the Marriage Care Center thank you event and they had all of our Marriage Care Center uh, leaders that are there, we have couples that for free will counsel and, and encourage people that are either struggling in their marriage or are just wanting to strengthen their marriage and we do that for free as a service to people in the community. Well, they had an event to thank all of those people, all of those couples, and guess where they had it? at Frank's house, and he'd made all the food because he realizes something, and I think we all need to realize something, and that is our passions don't have to be separated from God. God wants you to bring your passion and connect it to him so that he can use it for the kingdom to be a blessing. Another example of this is um, there's a gentleman that was here earlier, and I'm not sure if he's still in this service, but he helps at the first service, he's one of the ushers. His name is Rael, and here's what Rael is passionate about. He's passionate about, um, about fitness. I'll never forget when I met Rayel several years ago. He came to the church and he said, Pastor, I want to connect with you. And so we sat down and we were talking. He's, the first thing he starts talking to me about is this event that he found where they had 40 days of fitness that a church did. And they went through all this stuff for 40 days and they worked out and they read Bible verses and they did all this stuff and he was just all passionate about fitness. And over the years, I've seen it. He's developed a business. He does, um, you know, personal training. He loves fitness. In fact, he trains me. Hasn't done it for a while, as you can tell. But that's why I wear big shirts. And, um, and I told him before the service, I'm like, dude, we got to get back on the dragon again. It's like, okay, I got you, Pastor. But you know what's funny is that on uh, Good Thursday, right, Holy Thursday, we had a thing called Circles Around the City. And we encouraged people to take their... You know, love for Christ and connect it, right? And host a circle. And I'll never forget he sends me a text with a picture of all these people who are in his circle that are he's coaching as a fitness coach. And some of them are in places all around the world. And he's showing me online where I can see Facebook Live, there's like 15 to 20 people that are all in this circle. And then at the end he says, And praise God, Pastor, when you gave the altar call, half of the people raised their hand and accepted Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Because the bottom line is, Jesus wants to be connected to your passion. Sometimes we think, well, God doesn't care about that. Listen, God does care about it. And here's why Jesus said, bro, connect me to your passion. Can I give you the first reason? Here's just a thought. Because your passions carry influence. Your passion carries influence. Look at what it says in John 21. Simon Peter's there hanging out by the ocean. He goes, you know what, I'm going fishing. And watch what happens. Will come to, they all said. He literally influenced all of the disciples, not because he was trying to talk them into something, just because he was passionate about something. I got to tell you, I'm passionate about the Detroit Lions. I've always loved the Detroit Lions, and what's interesting, because I'm passionate about it, take a look at this picture, my whole family's passionate about them. My wife has Detroit Lions sweats and, and sweatshirt. My kids have Detroit Lions outfits. My son Tanner is wearing his Detroit, Detroit Lions you know, sweatshirt. And that's kind of a really, good, that's a really goofy picture. Let's, let's take that down. I just noticed that. It uh, looks a little strange there. Um, the lion roar. The point of it is, is what you're passionate about, the people around you will be passionate about. Because your passion carries influence recently i've been passionate about something they're called donuts and uh i've been struggling with this passion and i've discovered something no matter where you go around the world no matter what city you're in about every other block is a donut shop anybody figured that out and what's funny is my kids and everybody loves donuts they're there eating with me because my passion is influencing those around me. So here's my thing. Could it be that if you got passionate about VBS, maybe your kids would be passionate about VBS. Could it be that if you got passionate about generosity and tithing, your kids would be tithers when they grow up? Could it be that if you got passionate about integrity, your kids would grow up and be people of integrity? Because what you're passionate about, it influences those around you. So, number one, God, give us a passion for the things that are important and matter. And number two, God, I'm going to invite you into my passion. Because God can take your passion and He can connect it to the kingdom. What is your passion that God could use? Well, I like looking right now. We have a guy that loves motorcycles. We're starting to talk about doing a motorcycle outreach because his passion can be connected to the kingdom. What do you need to connect to the kingdom? What is your passion? Bro, connect me to your passion. Here's the second thing that Jesus said. Not only did he say, bro, connect me to your your passions, but the second thing that happened at this this little grill moment is he said, um, well, actually, this this isn't the second point. This is another idea about this passion thing, and that's this. I will bless what I'm connected to. If you look, if you read the story, it says this in John chapter 21. It says, then he said, so now remember, they're fishing. They're in the middle of their passion. Jesus jumps in the middle of their passion, and he says, hey, throw your net on the other side, and you'll catch some. So they did, and they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish. The point I wanna make is not only do you need to connect God to your passions because your passions influence others, but because God blesses what he's connected to. You see, they tried a lot of stuff but weren't super successful, but when God got in the middle of what they were doing, he blessed it. Maybe you would be more successful if you connected God to what you're doing. Come on. It's interesting. Um, An example of this was there's a gentleman that uh, he actually got saved And started going to this church. And his passion at the time, and and, you know, some of us, our passion isn't a sport. Some of us, our passion isn't fishing. Some of us, our passion is work. Some of us, our passion is our children. And um, this man had a passion to, to take something that people experienced and give it to somebody else to expand it. And he became the franchiser for, the head franchiser for Target. So whenever Target needed to go into a new space, he would research where that space should be, develop the plan, the strategy, the resources, and put it all together. Well, he gets saved, he starts going to this church, and the pastor sees something on his life. He goes to him, he says, you know what? I wanna hire you and bring you on staff. Would you come on staff? The guy's like, I don't, I'm not a pastor. I'm, I just wanna bring you on. So he brings him on, and their heart and their desire was to take his passion and use it for the kingdom And so what what happens is is they start developing this plan to do these satellite campuses. They're the first to kind of really develop video venues like we do in Santa Paula. Every Sunday, I'm on Santa Paula on video, speaking. We've got 100 people over there that are learning about Jesus and growing. It's, It's awesome. They're the ones that developed this. So he started developing this idea. Well, one day, he's in the airport, and he's standing in the long security line, and he's thinking, man, I wish I could read my Bible right now. He realized, I don't have my Bible with me. You know what would be cool? Is if I could go online to a website and have the Bible and I could read the Bible on my phone. So he gets home and he tells the pastor, he's like, hey, I got this idea. What if we build a website and, you know, for people that need to access the Bible, they can access the Bible right on their phone. he's like, great idea, let's develop it. So they start developing it and working on it. Well, then just after they begin developing it, iTunes announces that they're going to do a thing called an app and that you can register to develop an app where people can use their phone. and So they're the first company to apply for an app on iTunes. And the app is called UVersion, a Bible that you can get on your phone. So he starts developing it, and then they're even asked when they develop it, like people are saying, are you gonna sell it? And they're like, no, 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 we're not gonna sell it. No, no, you gotta sell it, you can make millions on this. No, no, we're gonna give it away for free, and now, because he took his passion to take what he had so that everyone can experience, do you realize that like 13 years later, now for free they have placed over 300 million Bibles in the hands of people all around the world because someone connected their passion to Jesus and what Jesus gets in the middle of, what he's connected to, he blesses. Bro. Connect me to your passions. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Second one is he says this. Bro, it's not too late. Now, what do you mean by that? What is Jesus saying? Well, now, they're sitting at the fire, right? They're sitting at the grill. He's cooking the fish. And then here's what takes place. John chapter 21, verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus said, Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, he's not talking about the food, okay? Some of us have had that temptation, <laughs> right? If you've tasted the, the sausages outside, there might be some competition. It's really good. Do you love me more than these? So What is he speaking about, the disciples? He says, do you love me more than these other guys? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then he says this, then feed my lambs. Jesus told him, Jesus repeated the question a second time. And then it says in verse 17, a third time he asks him again, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question a third time, and he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, then, feed my sheep. Now, when I read this and I started thinking about the conversation around the grill, it made me think of this idea. I don't think, I I truly believe with all my heart that this fireside chat was not an accident. I think Jesus had set it up in his mind for a long time. Because let's think about it for a minute. Jesus now is putting Peter in front of a fire where he's going to be asked three questions that are exactly the same. Because I think that Jesus knew that when Peter was standing there in front of the fire and he's asked the same three questions, he was going to flashback. 50 days before, when he was standing by a fire, and he was asked three questions, and here were the three questions. Hey, you know Jesus, don't you? he goes, no, 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 I don't know Jesus. Hey, wait, you were with Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, right? No, 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 I don't even know who he is. Wait a minute, I saw you were with Jesus, and then Peter cusses, he's like, blankety-blank, I don't even know Jesus. He's asked the same three questions in front of a fire, and now here he is, 50 days later, being asked three of the same questions in front of the fire, and what I believe that Jesus is trying to tell him is this, listen, I know, Peter, that you feel like you've messed up. I know you feel like you're a failure. I know you feel like it's too late for you. You always thought that you were gonna be the one to help me stand by my side and lead the church and feed the sheep and take care of the disciples and run the church, but you thought that you messed that up. You thought your destiny is over. You thought you've blown it too many times, but here's the deal. I brought you back to the grill to remind you, bro, it's not too late. In fact, I'm going to ask you three questions, and for every question, I'm letting you erase the mistake you made so that at the end of the third question, you've been completely redeemed. Bro, you need to understand something, it's not too late for you. And the message today for every dad in the house and every mom in the house and every person in the house that's filled with regrets, that feel like, well, my kids are already grown, it's too late for me. I already blew it, they're already messed up. Or you don't know the things that I said, I can't take them back. You don't know the things that I've done. This is Father's Day, my dad is dead, it's too late for me, understand something, Jesus is saying to you today, bro, it's not too late for you. You may not be where you wanna be, but you're not where you used to be, and guess what, you got a chance to become what I've called you to be, because it's not too late for you. (laughs) See, I think what Jesus was saying is, Peter, you're here and you're hungry, but you think your hunger is for food what you really hunger for at the core value of who you are is to fulfill your purpose, to succeed at what you're meant to be. So here's the deal. You're gonna feed my sheep. You're gonna be what you're supposed to be because it's, bro, it's not too late. You know, on Father's Day, it's, I know for some it's a tough day today, because maybe you're thinking about the fact that your dad was not a good example, or maybe he abandoned you. Uh, maybe you feel like you failed as a dad, or maybe you're here today and, and uh, you've lost a dad, like me, and and this is kind of a day where you feel a little bit of a hole. You know... I was honored to have my dad come and preach here at Higher Vision, and he shared on Legacy. Some of you were around at that time and heard him preach. And uh, I know that I talk about him sometimes and what a great relationship we had, but here's what a lot of people don't know is that we didn't always have a great relationship. In fact, for the first um, probably 20 some years of my life, 25 years of my life, there was a part of me that was unhappy with the relationship I had with my father. And here's why. Because growing up, he, you know, he didn't have a lot of example. Um, his mom, throughout his whole life, had never once told, her, told him that she loved him. Didn't even know what that meant and how to do it. He, he learned to do it. But, and so what happened is growing up, I felt like that a lot of times God and church were more important to him than I was. So I'd have games where I was playing, and his son was scoring points and you know breaking records, and he couldn't miss it because he had to be at church. And so there was, at times, there was, I think, I, I didn't say it publicly, but in my heart, there was some probably unforgiveness, some resentment. And uh, I was the peacemaker, so I never acknowledged it, but it was there. But you know what was interesting is And this is crazy to say, but then one of the best things ever happened. My dad got cancer. Now, some of you can't believe I just said that. But maybe some of us need to look back and thank God for the trial rather than cursing the trial because God used the trial to do something great. Because when my dad got cancer, which he fought off for 17 years, four different types of cancer until finally God took him home with bone cancer about a year and a half ago. He became the dad I always wanted him to be. It was like when that happened, suddenly his mind shifted and he's like, wait a minute. In fact, he used to tell me, even talk to me about, Jared, you got to be a spiritual father. But you see, he was being a spiritual father because he'd become the, the, the natural father that he was supposed to be. It wasn't intentional. Nobody said anything. I look back and it just happened. And I'm so thankful that God is a God who gives us chances and opportunities. Aren't you glad that God gives you not just a second chance but the fourth chance and the eighth chance and the, come on, how many have needed those? And my dad became a dad that I looked up to, that I I brag on, that my kids talk about they want to be a grandpa and a dad like that. Point is, is that, bro, it's not too late. That's the message of Father's Day. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen. I want to give you the last point. Bro, connect your passions to me. Bro, it's not too late. And then lastly, bro, we can do this together. Now, I'm going to read you a part of the story, this conversation around the grill, and here's what he says. He goes on and tells him, if you love me, then feed my sheep. I'm restoring you. You're still going to be used. It's not too late. You haven't blown it. There's second chances with me. And then he says this, really strange, but when I look at it in context, I'm going to tell you what it tells me. He says, when you're young, you, you could do like as you liked, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, so follow me. I thought about that. I thought how interesting that he goes on to tell him that now you're going to feed my sheep and take care of my sheep, but there's going to come a day where you're going to be like me. You're going to be martyred, killed for your faith. And it's going to give glory to God. Now remember, Jesus had brought up this idea and Peter had said, hey, I'll die with you. And then when the chance came, he ran, right? And now Jesus is bringing back up the idea that Hey, you said you would die with me, but you didn't. But guess what? You got a second chance, and eventually you will die because we all are going to die one day. That's part of life in the natural. He said, but when it happens, because now you've connected your passions to me, and now because you've got a second chance, because you've allowed me in your life, because we're doing this together, because we're doing it together, even when you die, it's gonna give me glory. Even in a moment that seems like is the last worst moment, I can still even use that. Because we can do this together. And and you can really see the heart of Jesus by what he says earlier on in the story. Let me go back to it, because the Lord showed me something. Remember in the story where they're out on the sea and he goes, bro right, or dude, have you guys caught any fish, and they said no, remember that, well, I I started, I was drawn to that word, and when I began to research it, here's what's interesting about the word fellows, it means friends, which could be bro, or dude, but let me tell you what it actually means, it also means a term of endearment from a father to a son, So it's almost as if here's what Jesus says. He goes, hey, I know you guys feel like you're lost. I I know you feel like you're alone. I've come back to remind you, son. I'm a part of your life. I'm your father. Son. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son God wanted to be in a family with you. He wanted you to be his son. Some of you that didn't have dads, guess what? The Bible says that God takes the lonely and he puts them in families. In fact, when we become a Christian, the Bible says that he puts his spirit in our heart causing us to cry, Abba, Father. I believe what the context of this whole passage is is that Jesus is looking at his people saying, you are my son, you are my daughter, and when we do it together, even your death can be better, even your death can give God glory, even your death can can be a blessing to the kingdom because when we do it together, it's better. Bro, let's do this together. Son, let's do this together. There's a video I wanna show you and it's about a, a young, young boy that was born with, with a very severe case of c- cerebral, c- cerebral palsy. He can't walk, he can't run, can barely move his arms a little bit, he can't speak. His name was Rick Hoyt, and his, his father and family, they found this, um, I think it was a, an institution that together they developed a computer so that, that their son could communicate by using his mouth through the computer. And as they began to talk to their son, the first time, first of all, the very first word that came out of his mouth through that computer was Dodger's. Because your, pa- your passions influence those around you. And then as they begin to have the conversation, basically he made this statement, because his dad, every once in a while, would take the wheelchair and would run with the wheelchair, and he told his dad this. He said, Dad, the only time I don't feel disabled is when we're running. And so his dad, who was not an athlete, who was in business, out of shape, decided that that would be his passion and they began to run and do it together, take a look at this video. Hoyt will pull, pedal, and push his son, Rick, who was born without the ability to move or speak. This is how father and son spend their time together, nearly every single weekend, going back 30 years. Dick and Rick Hoyt have completed over 240 triathlons, and on their lazier Sunday afternoons, over 68 marathons, the fastest in a time just half an hour off the world record. Yes, the real world record. They say Dick Hoyt could have been an elite endurance athlete on his own. Dick's not so sure. I think it's just something that comes from his body to my body, and it makes us go faster. Are you trying to say that you run faster pushing Rick than if you didn't run with him? Oh, yeah. He, he inspires me, and he motivates me. You know, when you, when you watch that video, obviously it's moving, but I love what he says at the end. I couldn't run as fast if we weren't doing it together. And I think that's the message of the the grill. You will never run as fast if you don't invite God into the journey. You see, your father, he decided to carry you even when you didn't know you needed to be carried. He said, I love you so much, I'm gonna send my son to die on a cross for you so that he can do the heavy lifting so that he can carry you across the finish line. Your Father in heaven loves you, whether you realize it or not. And He wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend eternity with you forever. He loves you. And He believes in you, and He'll do whatever it takes. He did whatever it took. It took the sacrifice of the most precious and valuable thing that He had, His only Son, Jesus Christ. He did that for you so that you could be saved, so that you could be forgiven so that he could carry you across the finish line. And my my thing would be first of all today is if you're here and you've never received that, don't walk out of this room and not embrace the gift that he's made available to you. I mean, especially on this Father's Day. Today we're, we're honoring our fathers that are here, but we're really ultimately honoring our Father who loved us and made it possible for us to be forgiven because you see here's the reality we all need a second chance our sin nature what it does is it tells us well I don't need you I'm going to do it my way I, I, I don't need your help I can make it happen myself I know the way I should go and the Bible says that man knows he should, the way he should go but the end leads to death and accepting the love of the Father is having the courage to go you know what I can't really do it without you I'll never run as fast. I'll never accomplish as much. I'll never truly be what I'm called to be without you carrying me. So I acknowledge I'm, I'm sinful and I need my Father in my life.